0: By Rebecca Spencer. Mass nice. calls it, and that's a wonderful goal. And Rear Percival from almost the halfway line.
1: Welcome back to the N17 Women podcast. It's been a little bit of a disappointing weekend for Spurs women fans, with our game obviously postponed against Everton. But nevertheless. Rachel, Caroline and Abby and me, Sean, we're here to talk to you again. We have got a little bit of something that will hopefully lift you, though, a little bit of a special pod for you. We have a very special guest with us, none other than Spurs Women's very own Keris Harrop. Now, Keris has made rachel did a little bit of digging we reckon 169 wsl appearances and counting obviously i'm currently putting you third on the all-time list we reckon how does that feel it makes me feel old
2: (laughs) (laughs) no no um yeah i always wonder actually i I never keep track of it so i'm glad you've you've kind of reminded me of what i'm on yeah no it's good i'm something i'm very proud of and i definitely want to kind of keep that Figure rising over the next few years obviously with my kind of injury this year that kind of held me back and it was actually something I thought about when I did injure myself I was like, oh no my uh my appearances are going to be affected but um yeah it's still a target I'm I'm looking to chase but yeah no just really great to have been a part of the league for so long and to have been part of it since you know the very start of the league well the women's super league in 2011 so yeah definitely something I'm proud of and, and something I want to keep keep building on until I retire
1: brilliant So we've got a few questions for you today. We're going to share the questions amongst ourselves. We're going to start off with some more serious questions. And then towards the end, we'll do some quick fire questions, maybe a little bit more lighthearted. But hopefully we'll find out some new things that people don't know about you and uh, and Spurs from what we're going to say. So first, we're going to hand over to Caroline.
3: Right. So we wanted to start off talking about, you know, how you came to Spurs. And we know that you came to Spurs uh, from Birmingham in two, 2020 and at that point you'd played with Birmingham for almost 20 years, because you first joined when you were nine years old. So changing clubs that must have been a massive adjustment. So what were the things that prompted you to leave Birmingham and then to join Spurs. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time that I'd been at, at Birmingham, kind of came through the
2: academy and obviously it was a club that was very close to my heart, so it wasn't uh, an easy decision to make. But I think, you know, in the early years of the, the WSL, we had a lot of success with Birmingham and we nearly won the league twice, reached Champions League semi-final, FA Cup finals. And then kind of towards my, the end of my time there, the club wasn't really going in the direction that I wanted it to. We kind of had a change in management and just, it was just hard with other clubs kind of investing more into their women's teams and it was they were kind of playing catch-up and overtaking at Birmingham. So I think that was definitely one of the factors why I wanted to come to Spurs because obviously the, the club's are a big club and I knew some of the staff at Spurs that had previously been at Birmingham and they only told me positive things about the direction in which the women's team at Spurs was going. So I think that was definitely a factor, kind of matched my own ambitions of you know what I still wanted to achieve personally so the club definitely matched kind of my ambitions um there obviously that was this process it would take time but yeah no just since I've been here they've kind of what they told me is is what's happened you know I wasn't sold a dream they're kind of Have acted on on what they said you know and the the men have been brilliant in supporting the women's team and I'm sure you've seen that you know over the years that you've followed Spurs as well these since coming into WSL there's been some kind of major changes which are only positive really so yeah that was definitely a factor just the the ambition really of the the club and and where they wanted to take the women's team and I think yeah just I knew a few of the girls already like Becky Spencer I'm trying to think now, I've lost track, but yeah, there was other sort of girls that i played with previously you know, from, from Birmingham, Chloe Peplow at the time I knew. So yeah, I think that was also a factor, just having that familiarity because it's, you know, a big move to, to go to a new environment, a new club, but having those familiar faces there definitely helped as well. So yeah, I'd probably say those were the two, two main factors. And yeah, just the clubs showed interest and obviously it was one and Karen at the time, they really kind of liked me as a player and they made me feel really valued. So I think that definitely made me want to come is that you know if a club really values you and they're kind of headhunting you that definitely makes you want to go to that club because you, you feel valued there
3: yeah that's good to hear so with coming to Spurs what were the biggest kind of differences that you had to get used to between how things worked at Spurs versus how they worked at Birmingham
2: I think the initial thing I probably noticed the most was that I've kind of gone from a club where I've been there a long time so I was I was, I was a captain as well I was kind of looked up to and a lot of the players knew who I was and what I was about and I was just very comfortable because they were all my friends I'd known for a long period of time so then coming to a brand new club obviously I knew a few people but it's still just getting to know everyone and just feeling comfortable you know it took a bit of time to adjust because I'd always just it was out of my comfort zone basically I'd always been in my comfort zone so to finally go out of my comfort zone that was probably uh the most challenging part But I'm quite a confident and outgoing person anyway and I'm I'd like to say I'm quite easy to get on with so in terms of like making friends and, and things straight away that was that was quite easy but yeah you definitely I felt like the newbie let's put it that way whereas I'd always not been the newbie I'd just I was always like there's part of the furniture so <laughs> uh, I was like the antique at Birmingham but then I was all of a sudden the new uh the new fresher piece so <laughs> So that was, yeah, that was probably the biggest change. And then obviously just living uh, in London, having to get used to London driving, that, the drivers, that was uh, a challenge in itself, having to deal with them. <laughs> and I guess, yeah, just a kind of new new lifestyle. But obviously I was lucky that Rachel Williams, a good friend of mine, she came to Spurs as well. So that definitely helped with my transition to the club, the fact that I was living with someone who I knew and we were really good friends. So yeah, overall, I think just in terms of the facilities as well and Certainly more now. Obviously, at the beginning, we were at a different location, but now obviously being at the men's training ground, that's just been a massive change. You know, he's definitely got better at Birmingham, but, you know, the, the level of facilities is just different because obviously Spurs is like world class. Like they want to be one of the best training facilities in the men's stadium as well. I aims to be the best in the world. So that was diff- a nice change that I've got
3: used to. Awesome. Well, I'll switch it back to Sean for some questions about the management.
1: So yeah, you mentioned Karen and Juan, but your your time there. But obviously, since you've been at Spurs, we've changed manager and Ryan's come in. Are there things that you know she's brought to the club that oh, you've particularly appreciated about her management style? Yeah, Rianne is very,
2: she's very organized and very precise. And obviously she's she is a very good coach, you know. So the sessions she puts on, they're always well planned and well organized, and they're always thought through i think that comes from you know she's worked with england she's worked with wales she's worked at arsenal so these are all kind of elite level environments that she's been a part of and she's she's brought that to, to spurs so yeah like her, her kind of coaching is second to none and her, her the detail that she gives the tactical and technical detail is is very good so yeah no that's uh, that's that's rianne for you she's very just very organized and you can kind of see it in our style of play you know we're very organized defensively and we all kind of go into the game knowing, knowing what the game plan is. So, yeah, she's definitely one of the top coaches that I've had. I've been lucky enough to play under.
1: And for you specifically and, and your game, is there any particular way she's been working with you? Any changes that she's been helping you with? I think the main change is
2: when I was at Birmingham, I was a centre-back. I did play left-back at times as well, but I was predominantly centre-back. Whereas at Spurs now, she's kind of moulded me into a left-back, which I actually prefer. I like left-back because you can, I think you can get involved more in a an attacking sense, whereas centre back you tend to just get as far as the halfway line and you're stuck. <laughs> um, whereas at left back you can kind of have more of an influence on the play going forward. So yeah, she's definitely helped me in that sense about just kind of my positioning and kind of when to go out and engage when to when to hold your position, and just really encouraged me to just get forward and get involved. And that's probably see that in a uh, style of play. Whoever plays at full back, well certainly you know with Ash uh, getting <laughs> forward, but even not uh, Asie and Amy you now, that's def- kind of what she'll be working on them. He's obviously focusing on a defensive priority, but then still joining in the attack as well.
1: How do you find that? Just just in terms of obviously a little bit later on in your career, and now doing a lot more running. Just is the <laughs> how does that feel? Yeah, no, the legs are still holding out, luckily. But yeah, no, it's, uh, I think now obviously now we're training.
2: Um, you know, I'm just think when I was in even in 2015, 16. The league wasn't, still wasn't really training full time, like all day, every day. So, I'd like to think I've actually got fitter as I've got older, just because obviously we're training a lot more because it is now a full time environment. But no, yeah, like it keep, keeps me young still. And uh, I, do, I do, like I say, the fact I to play left back naturally in a left back position, you are doing a lot more running. So, I'm actually feeling fitter and stronger for it. So, yeah, the more I can uh, play at left back, hopefully that will keep me going and playing for longer because I'll be just naturally more fit from playing in that position
1: excellent that's what we like to hear lots more accounts <laughs> talking about your experience as a as a player and uh, your time on the pitch we can tell as a fan base that you are and you know you have been a captain before so we see you being very uh, vocal in your leadership on the pitch and I guess wondering since you've been out injured have we got other players and not quite as vocal maybe and do you think there's been a, some missing on that on pitch leadership since you've been injured, or do you think other people have been stepping up in in other ways?
2: Yeah, I think. But um, like the coaches have told me, you know, because I, yeah, you know, I probably am the one that barks most of the orders and tries to organise the team. I'm sure. you... Would well, you hear it? Do you actually hear it on the sidelines? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting because I obviously say it. I just didn't know how how obvious it was uh, from a from a crowd perspective. But yeah, no. Um, I think just with the nature of the fact that we've got a quite a lot of new players anyway I think when you come as a new player into a, a new team and a new environment you probably do naturally more like shy away so I think certainly in pre-season it was it was quite noticeable a lot of girls maybe weren't as comfortable to be barking orders straight away whether that's just because they're new to the team or it's kind of their personality but then Rhian and the coach staff made it very clear you know that it can't just be the the leaders of the team that that communicate everyone has to do it it's, For me, it's the most important part of the job, especially at this level. Because technically and tactically, we're all very similar as players. So for me personally, it's how you communicate and help your teammates, which makes such a huge difference. So yes, like that, you know, the staff kind of uh, did say, and that was it was something nice to hear that they did they did miss my leadership and of communication on the pitch and that's just made me realise how kind of valuable I am to the team in that in that way but no it's definitely something the girls have been working on and as the course of the games have gone on I think it's, it's improved probably could still do with some improvement i like to think that hopefully when I do start getting minutes again it'll it'll show and that just the team hopefully will be a bit more organised in some instances but yeah it's definitely something that has improved and hopefully it will just continue to improve as the girls get more comfortable and we get more comfortable and knowing each other's players and what how we get the best out of each other
0: brilliant i'm gonna hand you over to rachel then yeah you were just mentioning all these new players coming in and i'm interested are there players who've come in that you're especially enjoying working with or that you feel like you've got that immediate connection you can see each other you understand where each other's going to be
2: yeah, it's been difficult because I haven't played yet because of my injury. So in, in terms of building relationships on the pitch, probably been a bit more tricky for me at the minute, just because I haven't been, I haven't had those minutes. In terms of off the pitch, I just, I just kind of chat to anyone. Um, I don't particularly have a group that I'm uh, closest to. I'm what's called the floater I'll just float around everyone and, and talk to everyone <laughs> but no all the girls are lovely to be fair I can't really single one out because they're all just fitted in so well I think that's what Ryan does well she recruits players who will add to the environment and who are just good people you know I think that's what she prioritizes most good good players but also good people and we're very lucky at Spurs that everyone just gets on with everyone and whether it's at lunchtime or whatever anyone can just sit anywhere and it's not not an issue so yeah, I can't really answer that question at the minute just because I need to get more game time
0: before I can, can answer it. Yeah. OK, we'll come back to you in a month or so. Yeah, see <laughs> Caroline, did you want to follow up?
3: Yeah, so kind of going off of that, talking about your injury, we know that you played until the final game of last season, but then you had to miss the preseason US tour, which Abby and I were sad not to get <laughs> to see you play in person. Um, but you were finally back on the bench in the Brighton game. So we're guessing that you're at least getting ready to play some minutes pretty soon. So could you just tell us a little bit more about what happened with your injury and your rehab and, you know, your return to play? Yeah, so um,
2: it's about, yeah, played all last season, fine. But I'd basically, uh, probably about well over 18 months ago now, I'd actually hurt my back in the gym and it was just something I had to manage. i like managed manage the pain, it was kind of lower back pain. I didn't know whether it was just because of my age or what, but no, I think it actually stemmed from that doing a deadlift in the in the gym so yeah just played you know carried on managed the pain and then we actually had two weeks of rest after the last game and so I had a week off and then I was due to go to Ibiza on holiday on the Wednesday it was all I decided to book it as like a last minute thing so I thought right I'm gonna go for a run on the Monday feel feel a bit better you know if you go for a run before a holiday just can't keep ticking over and then yeah just was running on the, the local field by me and then my back just went really sore and it like spreads, the pain kind of spread down. And basically I got really bad sciatica down my right side. Pain was horrible. I don't know if you, any of you ever had sciatica. It's not a nice pain, like really painful. And it turns out to go for an MRI scan, I'd slipped a disc in my back. So basically I think it over those 18 months, it had gradually just been getting worse and worse. And it finally just uh, just gave way. So. So yeah, that wasn't, Also, I had to cancel my holiday to Ibiza, so I was pretty more gutted about that. <laughs> I also had to cancel another holiday to Cancun, because I couldn't fly, just because I had to have an operation. So I had an operation um, in June. It all went really well. I was very lucky I got to see like one of the top uh, specialists in London. And yeah, so I've just been recovering ever since. And yeah, I mean, it's one of them, I would have. I was going to put about it, I thought the club might have done a statement, but I just think with it being in the off season, they just didn't do like a a statement I know you fans always want to you want to know what's going on essentially and you you care for the welfare of the players but yeah I don't know why just for some reason it kind of got lost in the lost in transit but so yeah I've just been doing rehab extensively for the last it's probably been about five nearly six months now so yeah it wasn't I was worried you know I got to the point where I couldn't lift my toes I couldn't lift my foot I was really kind of you know worried that the damage might be irreversible but luckily I've you know I've had the top care and our physios have been fantastic. And they've yeah got me nearly back to full strength. My right side, I had to build the muscles, essentially. I lost all muscle down my right side. Luckily, I play mostly kick with my left. So I'm just lucky, really, that uh, it was down the, the right side. But, yeah, I had a stint at St. George's Park, doing kind of rehab there. And, yeah, it's just about kind of building my fitness up now. But um, I'm back to a point now, yeah, where like, so I'm back in, the, back in the squad. I was hoping to get some minutes on uh, Sunday, but then the game got cancelled. So... I've now obviously got to wait for international break and then hopefully I'll be thrown in uh, into the Chelsea game so maybe in the last 15 minutes that can uh, throw me up top and I'll
3: score a last minute winner we'll see oh, I think we'd all be good with that yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's good to hear that you're back on the men now finally after what sounds like a really scary injury to have you know that uncertainty but we saw a lot of videos from the club of you being in rehab with Rhea and Kit and Esther. So it looks like you had a pretty good support group with you as you were working through that injury. So what was that like? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's one wonderful. I'm lucky to have them,
2: but obviously I wouldn't want them to, I don't want anyone to be in the rehab group, you know, certainly as uh, as fans, you don't want any players to be injured, but we were lucky that we had each other to support each other. Because it can be lonely, you know, You're when you're injured, you're the first, you're getting in early, whether it's to go in the pool at 7.45 in the morning, um and then you're usually the last one to leave because you have to do extra like weights and blowouts and, and cardiovascular fitness stuff so it can be very lonely I don't know if you read Esther's Esther did a recent blog during the mental health weeks so that was kind of a very open and honest account of how she was feeling and yeah but we've just been lucky that we've had each other uh, we had a nice time at St George's Park like the four of us who we went together and yeah it definitely helps when you have your teammates around you but at the same time you don't want a big group so I'm kind of glad I'm out of that uh that rehab group now call ourselves rehab FC. So yeah, I've kind of graduated from there and uh, hopefully I won't have to go back in there. We'll see. <laughs> Touch
3: wood. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, the other players will be graduating soon too. <laughs> yeah yeah I'll switch it back to Rachel now
0: I guess just I wanted to ask you about some more general questions because as we said at the start you have been playing in the WSL for quite a long time now so you've seen a lot of changes over that period including increased professionalization growth in club investment more media interest all of that sort of stuff and I wondered how that is kind of how all those changes have affected you as an individual it's funny because I say as an individual I haven't changed I'm
2: very like modest and humble because I've come from a point where we didn't get all that you know so I'm very appreciative of what we have so in terms of like my attitude towards things, I'll always I'll always be the same. I'll always just still work hard and want to give my best at every session. Don't take things for granted. So yeah, and so I don't think it's affecting me too much as an, as an individual. I'll always be kind of that like down to earth, just outgoing person. But I think it's, it's helped me to improve as a player for sure, just because things are a lot easier now. We've got, you know, like our training facility is brilliant. We've got nice pitches to play on and train on every day. So you can only improve as a player when you've got that level of quality facility, you know. And then I guess maybe like in terms of, probably increased profile a little bit more for all the players you know with more media attention and the game's being more visible you know it's nice to have a kind of increased profile in that sense i guess <laughs> it's funny it's quite i'll tell you about this because it's happened quite recently another advantage of kind of the increased media attention that the women's game is getting is because you have what's you know, your blue tick on instagram if you like not send a message to say i don't know like a going out for like a team event it's, it's nice you can actually ask and kind of get get in places not necessarily for free but you might get a good deal and that just little things like that like that's and I'm not really like that as a person but it's just nice because the men would get that you know the men would just always get invited to things for free and they don't have to pay for anything so to finally be able to just do little I've never exploited or you know take the mick with it or anything like that but it's just the little things like that it's, it's nice you know it's a nice change that that certainly would have happened like 10 years ago when the WSL started because nobody just would have known who we were or paid any interest but the fact now women's footballers are getting attention for the right reasons and then you've got these nice little benefits that go with it I think that's uh
0: yeah that's just like a nice little change so I know that everyone's going to be wondering where have you got in go on give us some places that <laughs> well, you've got into yeah so one you'll see
2: next Saturday on my uh my Instagram when I've got to promote somewhere. So I won't tell you yet. You'll have to check it out next Saturday. So we've got the weekend <laughs> off. So that's one place. it would just be silly things like so when the men's Euros was on, which is quite a funny story. Basically all the venues are getting sold out super quick because you have to buy tickets to, to to some of the like local the bars and stuff. So I was in Birmingham and um I'd messaged this, uh, this bar in Birmingham that's like, really good, like they've just got good atmosphere and stuff, and I knew they were showing the game. And basically, the door is sold out. And no, no, it wasn't. Like, they didn't sell out. You have to get there, first come, first serve. So I messaged, and I just said, I'm going to come up, but that my partner can't come at the same time I am but she, if I almost like save a seat is she alright to come in later so I sent this message on Instagram but they didn't reply so I just thought well I'll just go up anyway try my look and try and get there early so basically this it was like one of the core final games England were in. I think the kick off was like 8 o'clock so I got there about 4 and I thought right that's plenty of time like loads of time nobody else will be there and so I got there at four and there was no queue outside I thought oh, I must be early but basically everyone was already in there but it's sold out already like people have been queuing from like one o'clock so I was gutty I was like oh no like I've gone all that up to Birmingham for no reason <laughs> then I, I there was a woman on the door and I spoke to her and I just said oh I messaged earlier like just with a chance hoping I'll be able to get in is there any room left and then she was she basically said oh are you the footballer are you the footballer that messaged earlier I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. And she was like, oh, yeah, we saw your, um, we saw your message. We didn't get a chance to reply, but we've saved you a seat. <laughs> so, like, it obviously worked my favourite. And basically, I went in. They just saved me a seat on this booth, this other couple. And it was really weird because me and this couple are our friends. Like, we had, like, things in common and, like, end up chatting to them. We got on really well. And now we're friends with them. And uh, we got on really well. But, yeah, they basically saved me a seat because I, I was a Spurs player. <laughs> <laughs> so that was me really, i just didn't expect anything and then he kind of paid off and he worked out so i guess if you don't ask you don't get
0: dear. Do so there you go living the luxury life now <laughs> you've got to make the most of the blue tick while uh all you can <laughs> indeed so yeah. are there are, are there changes more generally not just how they affect you but sort of more generally if you're thinking about the women's game that you think you're really excited about and you sort of yeah about how things are changing yeah the main Exciting
2: change just the attendances, you know. Even I couldn't play, but when watching the uh, us play against Arsenal, we weren't off to talk about the, the scoreline, but just the occasion itself was fantastic to see. You know, over fifty thousand people. Uh, did you all go, or did you get a chance to be there? Yeah, we were there. Yeah. No. yeah. Oh, the two of um, us
0: who were in England were there. Yeah. That's
2: it, yeah. Yeah, so that was, as a player, that's amazing, you know, and certainly for me, who's come from an era where we just get your family and friends turn up and the odd man and his dog, you know, it's just amazing to see, to have that kind of interest and the amount of fans at the game. So that's definitely the biggest factor that I personally, like, enjoy. And even just things like, like, like in the tube stations, like the advertisements of our Games and, you know, pictures of Ash or Jess on the, the tube stations in and around Leighton Orient now, you know, it's just, brilliant just wouldn't have imagined it like even five years ago so kind of increased attention and the coverage on Sky and BBC and pretty much a game now every week on Sky and yeah fantastic so you know the game will only continue to grow the more the the exposure there is.
0: Are there any things that you worry are gonna like that you like about the women's game as it is now and you're worried that okay it's gonna change that's great but there are these things we want to preserve?
2: Yeah I think obviously it's becoming like a business so that's and that's just the way it's going so when I played when I was younger I'd play and I still play still do this now but you know, I played purely because I loved it. I enjoyed it. And it was, I love being around my teammates and the kind of social social element there. Obviously, now money's getting involved. because so that's fantastic. You know, players are earning a good wage. But the only worry I have is that players will play, not, not for the wrong reasons, because everyone has their reasons for playing, whether it's money or to boost their profile or to get more followers on social media. But I just want girls to still just remain humble and be modest and still interact with the fans. And there's, I saw this whole... Thing on Twitter yesterday about the Chelsea Manu game, yesterday players they can't physically get around all the fans because obviously there's so much interest now, which is great, and there's loads of fans there, but it's, it's practically impossible to get around everyone. So then it's like, oh, the players don't care anymore about us fans, but it's not about that we care, but the reality is, is that there's just so many more fans now, it, it's hard to get around everyone. So it's just, yeah, that's what I like about the Winter Games that we are in touch with the fans and we're doing things like this. You know, you probably will not get many men male players talking on podcasts like this so i want going to keep that but at the same time i know that if you go more like a business and there would being more almost the players are becoming like more celebrities then that access eventually might die down but i want to try and keep it the, that you know the access is still there and that the you know the fans can still access the players within within reason so, so yeah i think it's more just about the business side of it and the money getting involved and kind of this some great things that come with that and you know women are should be entitled to earn a good wage and i just still want players to to stay humble and also remember and i know you've mentioned already about dual career is that your football career doesn't last forever so you need to still have a focus and a backup plan you know when it comes to you retiring and you're not going to be earning that money anymore Well, then then what are you going
0: to do? Perfect link, I think, because I've got Abby's going to ask you a few questions about dual careers and some of the stuff you've done along that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Speaking of dual career, having two careers, I I know you've spoken before about the value of having that sort of dual career situation and that you yourself have a master's degree. So I'd love to hear you talk about that and why you think it's important.
2: Yeah, so obviously when I, I think when did I go to uni? Um, 2009. So I went to Loughborough on the on an England scholarship. And obviously during that time, we obviously weren't you know weren't full time. So we only trained two evenings a week. So it was very easy for me to still pursue my education and get my masters and get my PGCE. And so like I understand now it's, it's a lot more difficult for players to get their education because obviously we train full time in the day. You know only get two two days off in the week. So it's a lot more difficult now for players to to balance a degree with, with football, but it's still doable. You know, and I, we'll sell it Spurs, we get a Monday and a Friday off. So that's still time for, in my eyes, where you can still do something useful with your time and be productive with your days off. So whether that's doing some kind of course or just doing a bit of coaching or gaining some experience in, in what you kind of think you want to do moving forward. So yeah, and obviously when I was first started playing football, we weren't earning a significant wage. So I had to Earn a living, and that's when I was doing the teaching full time. Then it got to the point where Birmingham were able to offer me a professional contract. So that's when I then still wanted to keep the teaching going, but I just had to drop my hours, so I just did it more on a part-time basis. But I knew that was kind of the career I wanted after football, so I still kept it there. So throughout my whole career, I've always done teaching at least once, if not twice a week on my on my days off, and that's because you know I I love it. I enjoy teaching. Uh, It's a very rewarding job, and I like having a dual identity. I like the fact I'm a footballer, but also like the I'm a lecturer as well and ultimately if I want to get a job teaching once I retire if I haven't done any any kind of work in five years no teaching at all then the likelihood of me getting a job is going to be much less than if I've been still been carrying on my teaching whilst I've been playing so uh, yeah that's the reason really why why I've chosen to carry on my teaching but just because I enjoy it and yeah like I'm even now like you know I've started another master's I'm doing a master's in football business and management and that's just it's an online course that fits around what I can do and it gives me another potential option because I'm still debating whether I want to go down teaching route or whether I want to stay I still definitely want to stay within football just because the knowledge I've got as a player and having seen growth of the game I feel I'd be stupid to not share my kind of experience. And knowledge with other players, or within a kind of football business role. So yeah, always always wanting to learn, and I'm not one of these. I don't like sitting still and doing nothing. I Always like to keep busy, and just know that I'm bettering myself every day by by doing. Yeah.
4: I, I just love that I remember learning that you had a master's at one point when I was in grad school working on a master's and I was like wow like I'm doing that too that's pretty cool <laughs> and so now you're now you're working on another one are you finding it like more difficult to balance with like the
2: increased responsibilities this time around? Well luckily it's um it's very much a master's that is kind of based around the fact that people have full-time jobs and um, so it's only like once or twice a week on a night time and then you kind of just do your own independent study around it when you can so I'm lucky in the sense that it's not that like my master did before which was like more full-on it's not really like that it's just more about you logging you do your lectures and then you kind of go away and do your study in your own time so now it's working all right at the minute I haven't got well I'm doing that and I'm doing marking for student work as well at the same time so at the minute it's quite busy but that's just it's just busy periods like this is assessment period and then that'll kind of die down and but no I'm enjoying it and I, it's just all I'm gaining all this new knowledge that will only help me in the future. Future, so
4: yeah, absolutely. And I know so your your first masters was that in sports research? Yes,
2: yeah, so it was a master's in research of sport. But basically it was very much you just choose the topic. So at the time I was interested in performance analysis. So I based my master's around that. And then I realized I don't want to be a performance analyst. So <laughs> <But> still it was <laughs> at least I learned at least I did that and I realized so but it yeah. also gained a lot of knowledge and the masters has allowed me to then do the lecturing because you can't lecture without having a master's so that
4: makes sense. And I was going to ask so did the things you learned in that like in performance analysis do they
2: help you with your main career at the moment footballing yeah no definitely yeah kind of how to evaluate your own performance and evaluate the performance of others and feed it back in a way that isn't going to upset people or just feed it back constructively so no yeah it definitely helps you as a player and that's kind of why I did my coaching badges as well because learning that's you know the side of the game not only from a footballer perspective but also from a coach's perspective that could only help enhance your game as well so yeah no I think by doing the analysis and also my coaching badges that's definitely has helped me to develop as a player as well
4: yeah that sounds like very well rounded to me (laughs) so I think we're gonna end things with a quick fire fun round um I'll turn that over to Rachel
0: to kick off okay so the first question is if you had to pick a player who's not at Spurs that you most enjoy watching play football who would it be and why is this
2: just women's or yeah Yeah, let's stick to
0: women's Oh,
2: gosh, that's a good question. Um, just watch it, even watching um, the game yesterday, Lauren James, like, especially now she's starting playing, she's just very good to watch, like, you know, the way she just glides past people and uses a strength, um, a finish yesterday, fantastic, you know, real, even some top male players wouldn't be able to finish that, that ball the way she did, so... I'd definitely say Lauren James is is up there. she' also got of like, Kim Little as well. You know, she's been around the game for a long time, but always enjoyed. Well, I haven't enjoyed playing against her, but yeah, she's always a good good player to watch, just very clever and very technical. So yeah, I'll go with those two.
1: Lauren James does not have good memories for Spurs fans. Um, <laughs> a certain game where she got she got sent off but still got player of the match. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um so my quick fire question is who is the toughest player to face in the WSL? <laughs> I think probably, and Azzy will agree with this, Lauren Hemp,
2: I think any player that has speed is hard to deal with just because, you know, they can get it and just knock it past you and run. So I'm always very like, playing it's players like that, I definitely when I'm most switched on because I need to make sure I'm positioning myself and probably the games that are most aggressive because I know I've just got to get there and just try and put them off the ball before they knock it past me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Lauren's definitely a difficult player to play against I think even obviously now Ellen's retired but I'll probably say Ellen you know playing with her at Birmingham also against her I'm like training with her day in and day out I know how difficult she was as a defender to mark she would always be off your back shoulder making those runs that you, you sometimes don't pick up as a defender so previously I'd say Ellen but now players like Lauren, um, Lauren Hemp that have got got that
3: speed so if you had to be a commentator and you got to pick one of your Spurs teammates to be your commentating partner who would you pick gotta be Ash I'd say I think two black country girls
2: on the one one broadcast together would be pretty funny (laughs) it would have been Rach Williams just because we used to bounce obviously knowing each other and each other's band a lot we used to bounce with each other quite well but now yeah I'd definitely probably say Say Ash. Maybe even Kit as well. I think Kit's, Kit's good with the one liners. Then I'm just going more off bands here. I should probably go off actual knowledge of the game, shouldn't I, really, and actually being able to communicate effectively. That's just who I'd have probably the best time with. Who talks a good game? I think Kaya actually. Kaya's quite good at analysis and getting across a uh, kind of point of view in a tactical sense. So yeah, it'd be between those three, depending on what kind of commentary you wanted, whether it was more for fun and banter or more serious.
4: All right. So I managed to sneak sneak in like a a pretty complicated quick fire question here. So I apologize in advance, but uh, let's try this out. So if you had to build your... Perfect player out of Spurs players, and you can pick a different player for each of the following traits. And I'll list them now, but then I'll go back through them after passing, speed, footballing brain, shooting, and tackling. I would like to know who you'd pick for each to build your
2: perfect player. So first off, yeah, passing, passing.
1: Oh. Um,
2: Joe, yeah, I'm gonna put myself for passing. i say my passing is quite good. Love yeah my passing stats are quite good and that's always something i've kind of had pride in is my is my passing ability. So i'm going to put myself because i'm definitely going to be pace, so i might as well put myself in for the passing love it love it so yeah
4: how about that pace
2: who are we picking for pace, pace. well it's funny we always have to debate about who's the, the quickest in the team but based on kind of we wear this gps vest in training i think it was at ellie brazil who was the quickest see so i'll have to say ellie then or, or jess yeah ellie right. or, uh i'll go with ellie i'll go with ellie. just because she was right. the quickest on the uh on the gps yeah and- hopefully
4: hopefully she'll be back at that eventually though how about brain
2: brain he's got a good brain um probably that's one i should have put myself down for actually instead of passing do you know i know becky spencer although she's a goalkeeper like footballing brain very good and you could literally play her outfield and she, like she plays outfield sometimes in this little small sided games that we do and even then you can see like a little movements and a, a awareness of where she needs to be is good so I'll give Bex that one I think she'll she'll be happy I've, I've said her
4: oh yeah that I, I mean it absolutely comes through watching her in goal as well yep. I feel like we've all <laughs> thought about her being in the outfield before anyway all right and then the last two are shooting and tackling
2: tackling I want to go with Molly Bartry I think she's our like proper Proper defender. She's old school like me, proper defender. So I'll give it to Molly for the uh, tackling and then shooting. Oh, that's a difficult one. I'm probably going to say Kit, because even like just coming back from her injury now, she's been doing a bit more shooting on the pitch and like she's just banging the goals for fun. It's like she's never been away. So yeah, I'm probably going to have to say uh, say Kit and hopefully, yeah, she'll be back with those shooting boots on uh, in the new year.
4: Oh yeah, that's quite a player. That's
2: absolutely quite a player. <laughs> How
1: do you think that player would do up against Ashley Neville since she wasn't one of the no, players? I
2: should have said Ashley. <laughs> Ashley's definitely there for tackling as well and pace and shooting. So it was easy for me to say Ash. So I thought I'd... Uh, some of the other players some recognition for a change. What's been your favourite moment in a Spurs shirt so far? Oh it's a good one. Um favourite moment. I think playing at the stadium. I think that was a big thing for the club to to actually you know hold games at the at the stadium. No, I missed I was good I missed the Birmingham games at the start of last season, season before. Yeah, because obviously that was my old club playing the first game at the stadium. So I was good to miss that. But I think well just any any time we play in a big stadium because it's Obviously, a new thing really that's happened in the last couple of years, like playing at the men's stadium and playing at the likes of the Emirates and even Stamford Bridge, our next game. Again, I'll blooming, I'll miss that one as well. But hopefully I'll get, get a few minutes. I think so. Those are definitely uh, some of the favourite moments. I am trying to think of a standout game. Obviously the Man City game as well, when we beat them away. That was good. Just to find we always go to Man City and lose. So to finally beat them, that was that was a really good game as well. So that's probably one that stands out as well so yeah probably actually well when I scored against Chelsea that was that was quite a good game for me just because I don't score very often and obviously we'd kind of got back in the game and then I was just gutted then that we went on to lose I think it was 2-1 in the end but yeah kind of any way game which I'm kind of contributing is not just defensively but going forward as well are always uh, special
3: moments too. Yeah so speaking of that upcoming Chelsea game would you be so bold as to give us a score prediction or any thoughts about how that game's going to go? Yeah no it's just going to be a good
2: game obviously we're full of confidence at the minute. off the back of the Brighton game be good. it's a shame that we didn't have the Everton game to kind of hopefully try and carry that momentum on but kind of is what it is so no, I think, yeah, we've got everything to play for kind of the, all the pressure will be on them really but it's them playing at their home ground so I'll go with, let's go with a 1-1 and you just mentioned your goal
4: against Chelsea last year, which was one of my favourite goals ever. Um, so I was hoping that you could sort of like walk us through your thought process from um, I think it was Kaya taking the corner to you making the run and then, you know, fantastic header.
2: Yeah, no, I, um, I think initially I was going to go and take it with that because normally I have like one right player, one left player um, on a free kick. Then I, th- I kind of, because she was definitely taking it, I just walked away. And I thought, no, I'm not going to join the pack like normal. I'm just going to make a run towards the front post and see what happened. And then of didn't even realise it. She just luckily happened to whip it in at the height that she did. And then, yeah, I obviously just saw it coming towards me. So I just got my head on it. And then, yeah, luckily it flew into the the corner. Ended up looking like quite a decent goal, didn't it? So I'd I'd like to say it was planned, but it wasn't. (laughs) Sometimes you need those ad hoc moments just to... uh, those are the best moments when you,
0: you don't plan and it just uh, comes off. It certainly gave us a lot of joy. I was just behind the goal when you scored that and it was a wonderful moment. So, yeah, <laughs> thank you. That's good. <laughs> just really to finish up. I just uh, We've heard a lot from Rianne this season about her ambitions and where she wants the club to be. And I guess it's a sort of general question to you about what do you think needs to go right for us as a club to achieve some of that? Yeah, I think,
2: you know, we still... Uh, in the process really with Rianne, I think kind of our ambitions this year are to try and finish higher than we did last year and that's always you know you always want to go one better in the league if not two and you know the ideal is to get into the Champions League whether we're actually you know ready that for that just yet I'm not too sure but it's definitely something that's in the pot and we'll always you know we'll always go into every game and We just kind of take it game at time. So you know, if we keep picking up the points and ultimately beating, we need to beat the the teams in the top four. And so if we can do that, then yeah, there's no reason why we can't finish in the Champions League spots. But yeah, that's definitely the ambition moving forward, which is hard when you've got well-established clubs already in the in the WSL who are going to kind of get all those top players from from foreign. From, from other countries and, but that's definitely the place where we, we want to get to and we, start, we get into that position now and then I think the other ambitions are just to get as far as we can in the cup competitions you know we did really well in the Continental Cup getting to the semi-final and then yeah definitely the FA Cup is a big one you know that's the cup that you want to you know get to Wembley and win it so yeah we'll have ambitions to definitely push further in the in the FA Cup this year as well
1: Well we've come to the end of our list of questions so thank you very much for answering them all is there any point of wisdom or um, or or any message you'd like to send to the fans before? Uh, before
2: we wrap up yeah just keep uh, supporting us you know it's been really good to see kind of increased crowds at uh, the new stadium you know the big stadium in particular gets full and that's really good to see obviously you know I know like Chris from the LGBT group, she's trying to start the songs. And I think just yeah, just try and create as much of an atmosphere as possible because that really helped, you know, when we can can hear you guys singing and encouraging us. And I'm sure that will, you know, the more more attractive football that we play and the better that we play. Obviously, the louder you guys will be. But I just think that's a real uh, massive thing for us is, you know, we really kind of value your support and the kind of noise that you can bring. And we want to make, you know, the, the new stadium at Lays Noy in our fortress. And that comes making it almost like not an intimidating environment but just a real good environment the, the kind of louder you guys are the the, the, the better we'll play ultimately so but obviously I know that we then need to put on a performance to make you guys want to uh, cheer and no, I just think it's great work what you're doing I think Kind of raising awareness of the team, and it's nice to for us as players to kind of speak to you guys and just show a bit of our personality, and you guys get to know a bit more about us other than just footballers. So I think it's very important to just have that relationship, fans, and you kind of share your opinions, and we we share ours. So
1: we are we are trying to put together a songbook at the sports club. Have you got any songs that anybody's ever sung about you (laughs) that we could add to that book? We got any songs? What did they used to blip?
2: You'd have to reach out to the Birmingham fans. They used to sing something. I can't. I don't know if it was specific to being at Birmingham though. But yeah, they they came up with a couple of songs. But
1: no, I I wanted to be original from you guys. So uh, I look forward to seeing what you come up with. We'll we'll do our best for you. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. We've all had a great time and we hope you've enjoyed it too. Obviously, no uh, game this weekend, international break and things. But coming up next will be the Chelsea game, which we've spoken about. Um, we're planning on doing a pod with some uh, some of the Chelsea uh, pod people as well, so we're doing a joint pod for that one. So look out for that coming soon uh, ahead of that game. But thank you so much, Karis. We've uh, we've had a great time. We really appreciate your time. Sounds like you've got lots of things on and a very busy person. They do always say, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Proof once again <laughs> that that is the case. So thank you and everybody out there. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with another pod soon. <laughs>